the Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. Alright, it is that time again, back on the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. I'm your host, Jay, in the uh, little bit dry, windy, and uh, a little warm uh, downtown Concord Studios. We're okay, though. Here with uh, Bevo. Bevo's in the house. Hi. How you doing? Hey. I think my power's out again. Oh, not not like a rolling blackout, but... You mean your the, your uh, your mic box or your no, house? My house. Oh, okay. I just got an alert from PG and E. I think my power is out again. Oh, you, so you're actually like that. Gonna throw out the hamburgers. Yeah, again, <laughs> again. When you you know why we might make that mistake? Because if there's a technical glitch back there, like the, I, yeah. my first assumption is something back there is going haywire. Yeah, me too. Oh no no no, just my life. Okay. <laughs> it's all coming up, Bevo today. Uh, Scott's here too. Hey, Hello. Scott. Hey, what's up, dude? And we've got a, a great show in store for you today. Uh, an in-studio guest. I think a, a first for us, an in-and-out uh, yeah. in-studio guest. It's John Rally from Rally Farmhouse Ales. Hey, John. Hey, Jerry. Hello. Hey, there. <laughs> <laughs> first time jitters, I guess. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, flew in on the like uh, on the 6 a.m., mm-hmm. no luggage. From, and from fly- New Mexico. From New Mexico, we'll flying get, right out later today. We'll get into... Uh, well, bring bottles. That's so, excellent. Yeah, that's my. I'm carrying. I'm counting that as my my luggage. Did yeah. you get, Did you get some raised eyebrows from TSA? I did get the little note. If you guys. Oh yeah, the searching. Oh yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We we only took one or two bottles. Thanks yeah. TSA. <laughs> hopefully they didn't. But we're spit big fans. In, yeah, big fans. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they didn't spit in the goza. But we'll find out if there's a. a we will. In we there. will find out. Yeah. So uh, John's nice enough to uh, come out here and join us today, and uh, a lot of a lot of big recent happenings uh, at his brewery, so we'll dive into that here in a little bit. But before that, a little bit of housekeeping stuff off the top. Uh, for your feedback, remember to email us. We love uh, to hear from you. Scott at thebrewingnetwork.com. Jay at thebrewingnetwork.com. We're, uh, we're live and in color on thebrewingnetwork.com slash TV. Uh, and then you can listen to us live as well. The Brewing Network app. Search BN Mobile on your search bars where that applies. And as most of you do, subscribe and uh, remember to leave feedback on uh, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Yes, indeed. Uh, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll read your your feedback on the air because we appreciate you guys leaving that stuff. We do. I have some feedback. In the meantime, okie doke. You had uh, your first. So it was uh, the the Rare Barrels sixth anniversary party over the weekend. It was a great time. Happy anniversary, man! Thank Six you very years. much. And it was the first uh, Halloween themed party. Yes. Well, they're obviously they're always around this time, but this is the first <laughs> I time I where this is going. In six years, you guys have done uh, you know like a costume contests and you made it a Halloween theme party. Yeah, so there why, was why a did pets take... uh, <clears throat> pet contest, kids contest, and then adults yeah. uh, costume contests. Why did it take six years? It was so fun. Uh, I think we just really usually don't have it within a week of Halloween, so it's in November or October. I think it's been in September before. We just move it around for our own schedules and, you know, other festivals and stuff that we're doing. So, but it was definitely a different energy and a really cool energy definitely. component to it. So, uh, it was a lot of fun. There are a lot of other, uh, not to breeze right past us, but a lot of fun other uh, events going on in the Bay Area just that Saturday as well. So, I think people were just in their costumes going and drinking at different places and it's kind of like, it bouncing did, around, checking yeah. out the stuff, going here to there to there to there, and it didn't raise an eyebrow because every single place had a had a costume thing going. 100%. So it was just <laughs> it worked out. Including shout out to our uh, good friend Cellar Maker, just uh, celebrated their anniversary that last weekend too. Congratulations to the Cellar Maker guys. Most deaf. Okay, Scott. So let's see. We're not uh, reading a review, but we have some listener. Yeah, Can we say listener. 
Yeah, beer? yeah, yeah. I'm going to say because you know he he was stoked that we were going to do the beer on the show. So I'm going to assume he hears at least some of these episodes. Yes, Hayden, the winner of the uh, Brew Wild Sydney competition that we've brought up uh, on the show a few times, we finally have his beer and actually several versions of his beers. Uh, here in the studio, and I need to go grab a couple extra glasses in the meantime. Okay. Before we open the rest of these, I have, I have nowhere else to go. No, I don't know. You could talk. You could talk to John. We got an <laughs> in studio guest. Should we here. start with John and then go jump in? Let's do that. Start with, the guys with John, beers? and I'm going to go grab some other stuff. Okay. Great. Great podcast. Thank you very the, much. The both Thank of you. Us. Yep. <laughs> well, I'm not going anywhere either. So let's dive right in. All right. So, John, I think we're one one place I'd like to start before we dive into either your breweries or your beers is what, you know, what was your journey to get to where you are today? I think you, you know, we were talking off the air, your brewery, um, just turned three in the last, uh, couple months. Yep. How did, how did you get to zero? What's your background? So my background is I'm, I'm a chemist. So I do, I do electrochemistry, batteries, fuel cells, um, things of that nature. I've done that since, 95 i think mm-hmm. so that dates me a little bit but i'm i'm not a, i'm not a young man <laughs> and so when i first started brewing it was because we were stealing beer from my my buddy's father <laughs> who had a cherry chocolate stout back in vermont in 1988 or so wow and he got pissed his he, his, his own homebrew his dad's homebrew okay so we would we would we would steal bottles whenever we could because it was really good and Back then, there was beer locally called Catamount, mm-hmm. which was, you know, they had an amber, they had like a pale ale. It wasn't really an IPA. It was more like a malty pale ale. There really wasn't a lot of craft brew back then. Most people were drinking old Milwaukee, Milwaukee's Best. You could get a 40-ounce bottle of Milwaukee's Best <laughs> back then for 99 cents plus the five-cent deposit. Not too bad. It was like a 106, I think. The Beast. The Beast. <laughs> You'd get torn up on those um, as <laughs> freshmen in college. You know that's kind of what the aim was. Mm-hmm. But you know we always really wanted that cherry chocolate stout. Over time, he got pissed at us for stealing his bottles, and he was like, "All right, I'm going to show you guys how to brew this beer." And we we wow. started brewing it with him. And back then, it was extract and you know pretty easy brew days. You're talking a three hour day. And so, what year are we up to now? Not to continue to yeah, do that's but. still around eighty eight or so. So okay. I brewed that beer with him a few times and. You know, then then I moved out of Vermont. It was too cold for me there. I didn't like it. Uh, I moved to Arizona. There you go. <laughs> Tucson. I went exactly the opposite part of the country to, you know, high temperatures but dry heat. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really brew there at all until, until later on. I graduated uh, from the U of A, University of Arizona, with a master's degree in, in electrochemistry. Go Wildcats. Go Cats. Yeah. Yeah. Jay's a former <laughs> alumni as well. So, yeah, the um, U of A was fun. I had a good time. Life goes on. I end up in uh, Santa Fe working at the lab of Los Alamos National Laboratory. Mm-hmm. I'm still there today. But my friends there were were encouraging me to homebrew. They're like, dude, you're a chemist. You should make some beer. I'm like, yeah, I want to make beer. This guy, friend of mine, he moved on since, but um, he had a really nice kit that his brother bought him for his birthday. And his wife wouldn't let him use it. Oh, that's His that's wife brutal. is such a bitch. <laughs> she was like, you're not using that in my house. You're gonna, I'm not cleaning up your mess. Shout out to Nancy. Yeah. No, I, I'm just making that <laughs> That's up. my mom's name. Oh, no. <laughs> but my mom is just like that, so it's great. Everyone's mom's name. Fantastic. <laughs> Linda. So, yeah. So he, uh, he brought all this stuff over, and I think that was in like 2007-ish. And uh, we just started brewing regularly. It snowballed from there. I got the bug big time. Yeah. I started fabricating brew houses in my garage. My garage used to be a pretty crazy place. It's not as much anymore because eventually when we opened a brewery, I moved a lot of that stuff over. And um, I mean, I'm sure you've seen guys like Tasty or there's there's a lot of guys who go a little overboard <laughs> when it comes so, to uh, Well, so describe it a little bit. I mean, I think we've, we've heard, uh, you know, some... Homebrewers turn pro, but um, you know I don't know how many of them are are chemists, and you know their passion spans that that much of a time. So now you get the chance to do it. What do you what do you do with it? So you know I used to have a like a, a Brutus Ten type of setup, but it was bigger. 
I think I was doing 20 gallon batches on that for a while. Um, I've, I, you know, six or seven refrigerators in the, in the, wow, in the, in the garage. All, you know, this one was a temperature controlled, uh, fermentation cell. And then this one was where I would cold crash the beer. This one would be where I would serve the beer. Eventually I got rid of all that. I built a walk in cooler <laughs> right behind the garage and fed five taps into the garage. And I still have that. That's very valuable. Wow. Even if you're not homebrewing, a walk-in cooler is awesome to have at home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you get a pizza, you can't finish it. It's not going to fit in the fridge. Yeah, it's not going in the fridge. <laughs> Throw it in the cooler. No problem. Anytime you can integrate commercial equipment into your residence, it's always not like you've been to my house, Jay. You know I have the, the range. I have the six-burner sure. commercial range. Mm-hmm. It, it came with the house. I didn't get it, but it's so it's like the nicest thing yeah. in the world because it's a restaurant range. Yep. For sure. Commercial equipment, man. Get the hood. Yeah. You just got to have a spare yeah. 30 grand lying around. No. <laughs> Money is uh, yeah, always the limiting factor. But, yeah, a little, uh, you know, elbow sweat. Is that sort of, that's the phrase, right? Elbow, elbow, sweat? elbow grease. Grease. Yeah. So, something else. <laughs> elbow sweat. Sweat, sweat <laughs> equity. Sweat equity and yeah. equity grease. Yeah, right. <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah, I had all kinds of stuff like 27-gallon Blickman conicals, all, you know, all that stupid shit. Yeah. You know. That's like a, I mean, that's essentially a legit commercial brewery. In it's like a nano brewery, basically. Yeah. And then, so I eventually built that bigger, and I made a two-barrel brew house. When Because that, that's what you, that was the key, right? That you needed that was more. pretty stupid, actually. How, how, like, so it, are you going through all that beer? Like, are, are people... I used to. That, drinking that, 20 gallons at a time, and so you're like, I better make 60. Yeah, so I used to have a buddy named Keith, who was, uh, he was a fucking lush. He was, <laughs> he was one of the best guys to have around, because... You know, I, I I'll drink some of the beer, but there's no way I'm going to drink 20 gallons of of a single beer. Right. Um, I get tired of it. I want to. For me, it's more about brewing the beer and having fun brewing the beer, mm-hmm. not not having 20 gallons of an excess of whatever beer. Sure. Uh, but Keith, he was awesome. He would he would come over and he would just drink as much as he wanted. Yeah. And it was, it was I I gave him license to drink. Like, hey man, whatever you want in. Man, if you think Keith was awesome, what do you think Keith thought about you? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he liked me a lot. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, now we now we all take this, you know, industry and this journey for granted. But you know, yeah, f- think about it like Keith, and that that sounds Keith, pretty good. Keith had a good time. He he ran over one of my uh, my neighbor's uh, mailboxes once. <laughs> He's got a big dually. He we, we you know there was one batch of double IPA that really got to him. Oh boy, and, yeah. Uh, he, wait, hold on. <clears throat> the Brewing Network does not <laughs> condone uh, double IPAs and dualies. Start start yeah. to uh, condone growler fills to go. That's yeah. That's no, the, I, yeah. He, I'd let him have whatever he wanted. And so when when Keith moved on, he moved up to Idaho to be like a a raft guide of some sort. So you know that that kind of pathway died. By that time, I was not really brewing as much the volume. I was trying to do more mixed fermentation. Mm-hmm. And that's where I really fell into a whole new thing, I thought. And that was probably around 2013. So for me, when I, the first time that I started really getting into that, I was doing some kind of sour beers before that. Not really spontaneous, but, you know, like pitched mixed cultures like Rosalaire. Um, those beers take a long time, but I did a few beers like that that I really liked. But then I heard Jeffrey Stuffings here on the, on I don't know if it was this show or the session. He came on to the show. I'm say this. Well, I don't remember. He was, was on the session in like 2012. So if it was past oh, maybe that, then, I think it was 2012. Yeah. And at first I was like, "There's this guy, Ron Extract." I'm like, "What yeah, kind of Ron a name is that?" <laughs> That's like yeah, a made-up homebrewer name. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it, <laughs> Yeah, it, it sounded like kind of a joke to me. No offense to Ron. No, not at all. And, and as I recall, Jeff's brother had changed his name to Steffings. Steffings, So yeah. there was like three different <laughs> names, and like we're, it's Thanksgiving, and we're homebrewing, and wait, what is yeah. happening? So that that whole thing, to me, like kind of piqued my interest a little bit. Nice. So I actually drove down to, to Austin, like soon thereafter, and it turns out they were releasing a beer that weekend called Atrial Rubicite. Oh man, that's my yeah. favorite raspberry sour of all time. No offense, Jay. I like how you immediately <laughs> locked eyes with me, completed the whole sentence, waited a second. You won't hear this because he edited it out. Yeah. Maybe waited three seconds. 
No offense, Jack. All right. <laughs> anyway. Well, no offense to anyone. I mean, <laughs> beer's amazing. That, that beer was fantastic. So I went there. I brought a bunch of Santa Fe Brewing beer. I used to help out there a lot. And so I brought like five or six cases of, of cans wow. and a few bottles. And Jeff was like the most hospitable guy. He was super cool. He was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm real busy today. I've got this bottle release, but yeah, come with me. And then we ended up uh, pulling nails in his, his old barrel room, which was like this old garage that was spray foamed in with a, a really shitty, like galvanized, rusted door on it. And there was some other guy from St. Arnold there. We pulled like, I don't know, 40 nails that day. Just, oh, wow. you got to try this. You got to try this. And then after that, I drank like three or four atrials. Just, <laughs> it's like half the batch. They don't really release that many bottles. It, it wasn't bottles. He had it on draft. Oh, oh, naturally, yeah. And I was just blown away by that humble beer. Humble brag. So I was like, holy shit. Yeah, it is a bit of a humble brag, but I was there at the right place at the right time. That's why this whole show is Yeah, that's brag. so true. <laughs> so that beer just kind of spoke to me, and I, I was like burping it up the whole drive home. And it, it's a 600-mile drive. Yeah. So I had this like sense of place that he talks about. Followed me all the way back to Santa Fe. <laughs> it was amazing. So, and, and he was super cool. He gave me a, a case of this beer. Plus, oh, I got God. to buy a couple bottles of it, and it just was such an amazing beer. And so I was like, "Wow, this is this is this is the kind of stuff I want to do. I want to do barrel aging." And I mean, you can't really do that as a home brewer very well. You can you can do five gallon bucket or barrels and stuff. They're stupid. <laughs> they don't work well. They have too much oxygen ingress. They're just not. They're not good. Yeah. But once we start talking about barriques, and Jay knows all about it. I mean, you get two hundred twenty-five liter barrels, and you know that's where the magic happens. Yep. For sure. And you can't really do that in your garage on any appreciable scale. You could probably do some. It would take over your garage. Yeah. Definitely. So at, it was at that point I decided, okay, we're going to do this. We're gonna we're gonna get this done and start a business because that's the only way to do it. Because Keith is gone at that point, mm-hmm. I don't have anyone to help me drink yeah. all my beer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, when you're talking about beers like that, they get bottled, they get bottle conditioned. You're talking a lot of space, and I mean, you can have a lot of bottles for sure. But do you really need like 400 bottles of a of a certain? Apricot sour it becomes more of a problem than than it becomes a more of a problem. Project. So yeah, I figured let's let's uh, let's let's make a business out of this. Awesome! I, mean, I think that's the perfect tease out. Do we, do we want to? Yes. Try this and then go to break. Let's do it. Yeah. So uh, forgive the uh, little hiccup there. This is back to expected. Uh, uh, back to yeah, of course. Back to a man still on the homebrew scale. I say still. You know, I don't know. I didn't, does, what You're per- never going to yeah, make it. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, what percentage of homebrewers even want to? Like, obviously, we sit in here and Don't talk to people who, who do do it. Yeah. But, I mean, it's the significant minority. It's a hobby for most people. Is that fair to say? Uh, there, uh, there's a hard argument to be made that John could have paused at that 20-gallon brewery, and that would have been... Just, just perfect. He and Keith could have ridden <laughs> off into the sunset. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so Hayden Henderson, <laughs> as a reminder, guys, Hayden smashed that brew out Sydney competition. He placed in all five categories. He got two firsts, two seconds, and oh. two thirds. Champion brewer. Oh. Uh, and uh, got about $1,000 worth of gear. And Jeez. here we have uh, a couple of his beers in front of us. So in our glasses now is the Apricot Golden Sour Ale. Comp- they're in these, like, plastic... They're Aussie bottles. I don't know how else to describe them. I've mm-hmm. never seen bottles like this. Is it a 500 milliliter bottle? Uh, or is it a little bigger? I think 625 milliliters? I'll say it. It's a weird number. But yeah, that's a weird shape, too. We're not used to seeing bottles mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, it's good. I think I'm having the apricot one, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the apricot golden sour. What do you think? It's good. It's really good. I like that. That's really nice. Yeah. He did a good job on that beer. Yes, he did. Nothing like crazy funk. Just, you know, a good... A, a, an appropriate amount of acidity, I would say. Uh, apricots, I feel like, are more acidic than a lot of different fruits Absolutely. that you'll use. And so, you know, I think one of the things we think about at the Rare Barrel is where to start the base beer that we're going to blend into all these different fruits. And this, you got to start really, really light. And, you got to start uh, pretty high on the pH with this beer. For sure. Otherwise, it'll it'll take it over and you'll have a an acid bomb on your hands. Or you just don't go hard enough with the fruit and then maybe you're a little disappointed but this has plenty of fruit and uh yeah i mean certainly 
got acidity to it, and you know it's sour beer, but plenty drinkable and, and really balanced. good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really well done, Hayden. Way to kill that competition. Thanks for sending these beers in. They are doing another one of these. Uh, so check out Brew Wild Sydney. It's one of those crazy long URLs. So I'm not going to read it. Just Brew Wild Sydney. You'll find it. Use your Googles and stuff. They're going to have uh, a bunch of new categories, including uh, one with like you know you have to use at least one native Australian ingredient. So they're expanding the competition. It's going to cool. be more fun, more interesting. So uh, tips, check it out. Tips on how to do that. Go back and listen to our last show where we had Wildflower on yeah. from Sydney, Australia. That's right. And uh, sorry, I mean that was the, that was the farthest traveler to be in studio. <laughs> yeah, Santa Fe's not that far. Totally. <laughs> if, you, if you didn't have to go to the you international right terminal, away. yeah. All right, should we take a break? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's get to uh, some of John Spears after a quick break. You're listening to the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. Because Avery's not there any longer, but it's my only Jester King liner, so. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I don't have one of Jeff. I guess not. Yeah, he was on the phone and Avery was uh, in studio, I believe, yeah, on exactly. one of those shows. Mm-hmm. And then we had a different Jester King show, too. Uh, we've got John from Rally Farmhouse Ales here. Uh, I don't know if I paid off that it's in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And we've got his beer open. So why don't we do this why don't we talk about what this beer is and then we'll talk about uh kind of why you picked the beers you picked today sounds good um so this beer is called meyer it's not spelled like meyer lemon but it's spelled like a, a guy's name m-e-i-e-r oh. so i i i met this guy named troy meyer he was used to be the homebrew the, the stl hops homebrew club president and I think it was probably, I'm not sure exactly what year that was. So I don't know if you guys know the Midwest Belgian Beer Festival. It's mm-hmm. a festival put on by Phil and his team at Perennial. And so one year, I think before we opened, we we attended that festival just as, as, um, as lush drinkers. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that festival is crazy. You know, you've got things like... Uh, derivation on tap and Abraxas and they used to have this really big ornate um, uh, fundraising thing where you, you'd buy raffle tickets and you win bottles of BA Abraxas things like that um, really 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 fun festival it changes locations every year so this was the year that it was at the Moto Museum um, which was a museum full of moto- mo- motorcycles <laughs> and so th- these motorcycles were all like retro like triumphs and and things like that up on stands and you're you're kind of drinking amongst them and walking around it was a lot of fun uh that year the the stl hops homebrew club had maybe eight beers on tap and one of them was a a meyer lemon something or another and it was called uh i think it was called meyerlemonparty.org so it has some um some not so pleasant content if you think about it but (laughs) It really stuck in my mind as a really great beer, mm-hmm. regardless of the name. <laughs> so at, at one point, I wanted to try uh, a Meyer lemon beer. So I made this beer, which is a Goza. And so what we do for Gozas, we don't we do a live lacto fermentation. We don't kettle sour, so we don't halt the the fermentation by boiling it off. Because I think what happens when you do that is you boil off all of these uh, really kind of. What's the word I'm looking for? They're really delicate uh, lacto fer- fermentation byproducts, mm-hmm. and you could totally taste it in this beer. Whereas if you boil it off, you're left with lactic acid. And you know if that's your goal, that's fine. My goal is to have a more lactobacillus type of driven uh, fermentation where you actually get all those products and 
this beer exhibits it. So what we do for this beer, it, we don't put the lemons in after. We, we cut the lemons in half, and we use them as the acid addition in the mash. Oh, okay. So instead of using phosphoric acid or lactic acid or whatever to do a, a pH adjustment to your mash, we use 50 pounds of Meyer lemons. Hmm. And it's um, it's unique because it doesn't give you like a, a kick in the ass like lemon flavor. It kind of gives you this secondary booster type of, of lemon lemoniness, which you can f- kind of get in Berliner Weiss styles, uh, Goza, the same thing. And we use some uh, sea salt in there. I don't use coriander typically. And so that's that's it. There's no hops in this beer. It's a simple beer. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, Weirman pills and malted white wheat. Um, and that's it. Gotcha. So Simple beer. It's great, by the way. Let's walk through that the lactic fermentation a little bit more because I've heard okay. it done a bunch of different ways. Sure. Where do you introduce it? What's the vessel? What's the temperature? How long does it stay there? Kind of complete that from the... Uh, so, okay, that's easy enough. So what we do is we, we rack out of the boil kettle at 100 degrees Fahrenheit into an, an IBC, a tote. Mm-hmm. And then, so as we're racking out, we don't add oxygen. We add, um, for the for for this, we were using 18 cartons of Good Belly for a seven to eight barrel batch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then souring it for 48 hours until it kind of hits its terminus. Um, usually ends at around three and a half, 3.3. Okay. Um, if you add hops, then you're not going to get that far. Gotcha. Um, the, we, so that's the Lactobacillus plantarum, which you know probably is very hop intolerant. Yeah. So people have reported like zero souring with the tiniest amount of hops. So my brewer, Wes, um, he, he, he couldn't believe that was true. <laughs> so he, he kept adding hops in the mash and not telling me. <laughs> and he'd fuck it up. And like, Shout out to Wes. Wes, I love you, buddy. <laughs> But he's since learned that you can't add hops to that beer. You know, if you want to dry hop it later, that's fine. You just can't add hops in the uh, in the in the early part of the fermentation. Gotcha. So that's all it is. It's it's probably one of our simplest beers. Um, that and the Berliner Weiss are made almost identically. This has the the Meyer lemons in the mash, mm-hmm. so that's a little bit different. And it has some salt. I think it's uh, one and a half pounds of uh, sea salt. And we re- we really like this salt from the island of Lesbos. I don't know if you've heard of it. I've rented that once. <laughs> <laughs> the the island of Lesbos in um, in the Mediterranean, they have the best salt in the world. Hmm. It's really hard to find, but if you can get it, it's fantastic. Interesting. It has a it has a lot of punch. Um, if you can't get that, then just any sea salt is probably right. sufficient. Just like if you can get atrial rubicide, it's the best raspberry salt. If you, <laughs> Rare Barrel makes one if you can. But yeah. if you can, it's the best in the world. Yeah, we're, uh, the, we're the Mortons of uh, <laughs> raspberry sour beer. Uh, don't I know you're going to clip that. <laughs> don't sell yourself short. That's, that's, that's rude. Uh, <laughs> so, but the, going from uh, the IBC post-souring, then transfer. Or, does we it don't, transfer somewhere? Does nope, it ferment do. with yeast in that vessel? So then, at, at, after it hits its terminal pH, we we, we put we put a pitch of saison yeast in usually. Mm-hmm. So I used I used to use thirty seven eleven. Uh, then I started using the BE one thirty five or one thirty four. I think it is because I, that's a little more shelf stable and it costs less. Gotcha. Um, it's the Belgian strain, not not the French strain. The French strain is more aggressive. It's more attenuative. I think. Um, but it doesn't do as well temperature-wise in the summer because mm-hmm. we use these beers are not temperature controlled. It's whatever the building is. Yeah, and our building gets pretty warm. It's uh, typically in the the high eighties uh, in the summertime. We usually brew these in the summer. We haven't really brewed them much in the winter. We've tried these with other things like the Kaveki yeast and stuff, and doesn't work as well. And why so, is that? I don't know. It it gets uh, it gets a little earthier. Um, I like to throw some Brett in there, too, and I think that this one doesn't have any Brett, but we've done a few since then with uh, grapefruits. Uh, we've done one with key limes, and those, we, we threw a little uh, Brett Brooks in it. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different, but I, I, I you know, if, if you want some funk, then that's a little more a little more desirable. It gives it a little more complexity, too, because it's a simple beer. Sure. 
I mean, there's not a lot going on there. Yeah, and I'm I'm very impressed that you know the the process seems fairly straightforward, but the beer is you know extremely clean. And if you ask me to pick, you know, the primary yeast, I wanted to pick. You know, strains that were that expressive, I would say, right. in, in a positive manner, sure. I mean, like that it's just very No, clean. when I first tried it with Cezanne yeast, I couldn't believe how clean it comes out. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a, a, a pH-driven uh, effect, but it works. Yeah. It works really well. Interesting. And then just one more question on that. When you uh, add the yeast, are you adding oxygen at that point, or are you just letting it... We haven't you know, done oxygen because of the lacto. Mm-hmm. I don't want to neuter it in any way. Yeah. But in other beers, we do add oxygen. Has it always just been this clean up front, or were there some like kind of um, yeah. bumps, bumps in the road where you had the, to troubleshoot? The bumps in the road always happen when we added hops, and mm. we shouldn't have. <laughs> shout um, out to Wes. Shout out to Wes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he learned the lesson the hard way by, yeah, just don't do that. Nice. Yeah, because the plantarum is, is really picky. Since then, we've moved to a different plantarum because the uh, the good bellies, I think, tend to be... They don't last very long, so you have to buy. So, if you buy them and you sit on them for a month in your in your um, in your cooler, I think funny things happen to them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what else is in there. It's not really a pitch, you know. It's not a commercial right. pitch, so it's not guaranteed to be anything. Yeah, there's a bunch of other stuff. There's got. I, I don't. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't know what it is either. <laughs> but I mean, I I'm not really interested in trying to do a microbiological workup on it either and spend sure. a bunch of money. Um, I'm more of an empiricist. Let's just, just try it and see what happens. Um, and then we can learn from, from our mistakes. If that's the bar, then you guys are clearing it really well so far. Scott, I think you're telling me we have a question. Yeah. And that's going to be brought to us by Dr. Lambic and his team at Sour Beer Blog. Dr. Lambic. Uh, the articles on Sour Beer Blog for a great written resource devoted to teaching you how to brew and blend sour beer at home. And now Sour Beer Blog crew is opening up a brewery. In fact, they already have. I can't believe I don't change these thoughts in my head. Every damn show. <laughs> uh, and they have a tap room in central Pennsylvania. Check them out. Mellow Mink Brewing at mellowmink.com. And I'll recommend it again. That um, you know fast souring article kind of outlines a lot of these these types of techniques with a you know a bunch of different options in there so and he's it's a two-parter on uh sour beer blog so check that out too speaking of uh matt this question comes from another fellow named matt matt from portland maine and it is a um a specifically like a kettle sour question so i figured it would go well here matt says uh hey i love the show listen to every episode from the beginning and i can't even begin to list off all the new things i've learned jay i randomly said hi at a beer festival i'm, sh- I'm sure you remember uh and i really appreciate how uh you come to pour your own beers rather than have a volunteer run your stand i appreciate yeah, you getting yeah. the chance Most to say the time hello. i don't <laughs> yeah well that time you did i appreciate so you giving me a shout out, nice uh, shout out. <laughs> thank you matt uh, so matt says how does the presence of more complex sugars impact lacto if at all specifically i'm interested in whether adding lactose will have an impact on how quickly or to Sorry, what can you swing back a little bit is just some, sometimes plural of lactobacillus and lactose the milk sugar I, I hear them kind of the same so it's i see so the it's both he says how does the presence of more complex sugars impact lacto okay. if at all specifically i'm interested in whether adding lactose got it will have an impact on how quickly or to what extent lacto will sour. Mm-hmm. So, John, I'll get your take first, but just a little backtrack and that method you just described, you know, not kettle sour exactly, but, you know, you did Similar. D- discuss, you know, some of your, your grain bill on building in some complexity in there. And uh, what, what would you what would you say to this, uh, this other Matt? I, th- I think he's probably on to something. Um, lactose is not going to be very fermentable. I think Brett can work on lactose, um, but it's a short, it's a long-term process. It's not a, it's not a thing that's going to happen really quickly. I think the process of, of, of souring with this lactobacillus plantarum is a pretty quick process. I don't think it will attack the lactose. Mm-hmm. I've never tried it. I, I'm not like the milkshake guy at all. I've never brewed a milkshake IPA. I've never used lactose except for a a um, you know a, a tr- more traditional um, milk stout milk stout type of beer. We've only made one or two of those, I think. So that's not really my wheelhouse. Um, I do know Brett doesn't really go after lactose. I mean, it may in time. Brett is one of those things. It's hyper attenuative. It'll go after everything, you know, in order. 
of what it can eat. It'll it'll kind of search around and say, okay, this this isn't good. And if it finds something easier, it'll start eating that, and then it'll go back to whatever isn't good. So I don't know the details on that, but I suspect there is something there. Um, complex sugars. I it, in general, the rule of thumb is if the if the sugar is really complex, it's not going to be attacked by the microbes that are in the in the beer or the wort or whatever it is at that point in time. So, I mean, that's pretty general and generic. I don't know if that's what he wants to hear. Jay, you you used lactose a few times, right? No, really. I thought I thought I no n- never, huh? If we did, it was in like a like a pin or something, like a mm. special thing. But okay, no, okay. Um, yeah, I don't have any personal experience with it, but if I'm kind of going, you know, ten thousand feet up and trying to get the gist of his overall question is something about complexity and kettle sour beers. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's difficult, you know, as John was saying, the a lot of the kettle sour or quick sour type of methods, it's meant to kind of be over and done with in let's say a couple weeks to a month or maybe two. If you want to get into developing more complexity over time, I think you're talking about one way or another you're talking about mixed culture. It could be that you're kettle souring up front to lock in the acidity and then introducing Brett in a secondary vessel for medium to longer term aging to develop, you know, with some of these uh, more complex sugars. And maybe that's part of where Brett eating lactose comes in. But there's just like a little incongruity there with like the kettle quick sour. And right. I don't think lactose will lead you to a quicker development of complexity in those types of beers but i also can't say for sure that's just theory i don't know if we know the real root of his question either he he may be he may want a sweeter type of, of beer to begin with sure I, I i'm not sure what he means he should probably follow up with us on that question i think he i think he probably just doesn't really know what adding lactose is going to do to the lacto and like so we don't either but i would say i i, I don't so i also just more broadly don't associate lactobacillus with consuming complex sugars. Mm-hmm. That's like not its main function, I would say, either in a kettle sour or in a total mixed culture fermentation with Saccharomyces, Britannomyces, Pediococcus, and Lactobacillus. If I think about those four together in a longer-term aging project, I always think, okay, well, lacto is going to get kind of the short-term, simpler sugars done quicker to get some acidity and then Brett and Pedia will kind of be more the long-term buddies on developing complexities and um, even more acid, depending on hopping in Saccharomyces attenuation and stuff like that. But lacto to me is like a if it's if it's one of the pieces on the chessboard, it's a pawn. You know, it's just like, hey, go get the sugar, make yeah, it make it into acid, and if you die on the way. It's cool. I got, still got the queen. I got the rook. You know, well, you're okay. good to go. I, I would like to continue this analogy. So, like, what, what would the queen Brett, be? Brett, for sure. Okay. What would the king be? King. It, it doesn't really do much, but it's very important. King is like free from off flavors. <laughs> Clean. Okay. Like, if you have any off flavors, it's just toppling. It's like the whole thing doesn't matter. Gotcha. Essentially. Right. And then that's, that's a good analogy. Yeah. Bishop okay. is PDO and rook is Saccharomyces. <laughs> Boom. Okay. Yeah. I think we're only missing a knight. Fuck the night. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> a fruit edition, maybe, is the Yeah, night. I ran out of steam there at the end. Okay, yeah. It was, really, you, it was you, a good try. Yeah, yeah, you did a great job. I was there like, is, how many pieces? How many different types of pieces are there? I don't know. Zero to 40, you really had that analogy going strong. We'll cut it out and do it with checkers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was our question. Yeah, uh, thanks, Matt. There's another question on... Us by Matt. Yes, uh, there's another question on Matt's email and a few other questions that we can get to a little yeah, later. Yeah, save that. But uh, I do want to do more of John's beers. Yeah, is it break time? Yeah. Let's get to a break. We'll be right back with more Sour Hour.
Valley, Rally Farmhouse Sales in Santa Fe. Sour hour. There you go, Scott. Thank you, sir. For you. Mm. Um, kind of tease this out in both segments, but um, you know, even though we just uh, gave gave Wes the nice the nice generous shout out there, uh, you know, you were mentioning that uh, you guys kind of have a do to have this nice collaborative process, and um, you all recently shared in rather large victory, uh, I'd say. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So, um, yeah, GABF this year, we did really well. We had, um, I think we entered five five beers, and three of them meddled. Wow. We got a, uh, <laughs> we had a Pro-Am beer, and this is kind of funny because the a buddy of mine, he's never been to GABF, he's, he's, uh, he's not a super active home brewer, but... I, you know, he he won a gold medal with his beer at a competition last November, so he he fits in the window. I was like, yeah, come on, do the pro am with us. We'll brew that beer and we'll submit it. Uh, the night before, we got it was it was my birthday. Um, we got torn up. <laughs> we were at Good Zur and they were mm. popping some fancy bottles for us. And yeah, that'll happen. We got uh, yeah, pretty torn up. Yeah. But um, yeah, he 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 can't handle his alcohol like like I can. <laughs> So he didn't even come to the award ceremony. He missed out completely. Oh no! He, he, he didn't wake up till till like noon. Oh, oh no. my god! So it was kind of funny because you know he missed out on on all the good stuff, but his beer didn't win anyway. So <laughs> I, I I didn't feel so bad. That beer was a problem beer for us. Uh, it was a raspberry saison, um, and our our glycol chiller broke. Mm. The uh, compressor broke like probably a day after we pitched oh that's so, a problem yeah mm-hmm. and we were using 3711 um that beer that yeast caps off at 77 mm-hmm. degrees fahrenheit and then after that it starts getting funny and it free rose to 95 and so yeah. i was i was worried that beer was going to actually suck really bad and it actually came around it, it took a, a lot of conditioning uh but the bottles we sent for gabf were not I mean, we had a we had a deadline to meet. We had to drop those beers off by a certain day. So, the rest of the beer in the bright tank had time to to calm down and and kind of round out a little bit. But the bottles we sent were were not great. Before it had time to condition, what did it taste like? Ah, uh, like a monkey's ass. <laughs> it was awful. No, I'm I'm, I'm just made, I just made that up. It wasn't that bad. Um, it definitely had some fermentation defects. Uh, nothing like diacetyl or anything like that. Just, you know, sometimes fermentations don't taste clean. Mm-hmm. And you get weird flavors that aren't really kind of in the um, in the Cicerone or BJCP um, off-flavor kits or basically the off-flavor panels. You know, you get all these very specific flavors, isovaleric. Right. And this know, was just general, general monkey ass. General monkey ass. <laughs> yeah. um, and that happens sometimes. It's not, you know... Fermentation is is not always perfect. Well, and I ask because you know I I wonder how the decision making process goes for like oh this got way too screwed up I'm not even going to try and hang on to it and condition it versus let's keep trying. Well, we already paid for the entry, so it's like yeah let's just enter it just so Paul can come and have a good time and enjoy the you know the pro am experience at GABF. I did that Sleep in, in. <laughs> yeah because I did that in 2012 and I had a great time so. You know, as a home brewer, I want to, or as a pro brewer, I want to support home brewers coming into it and 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 being able to do that because it's a lot of fun. I mean, how cool is it to be on the floor at GABF as a home brewer and your beer is pouring? It's best. You know, it's one of the best. It's things. An apex home brewer experience. It pretty much is. So I, I I really like to support that as much as possible. The fact that it didn't work out, he still had a great time. Yeah, he had too great of a time. He had too great of a time. Can I just say this is. I, this is bad hosting by me. I kind of set you up to give yourself praise, and then you immediately pivoted to the Sorry. one beer <laughs> yeah. that you messed up, the not the beer. three that you won okay. medals we'll, for, we'll which you also – you, so you won we'll Brewery of the Year. I just want to be clear. That's amazing. Brewery of the Year. That's very well Thank done. You and you won gold, silver, and bronze in different gold, categories. Bronze, yeah. Wow. So we just tasted the Meyer, which was a um, uh, Meyer lemon goza. We we entered that as a, a traditional goza. Let me get another hit of that. Um, the reason being was it had, if you read the guidelines for, for that style, uh, not contemporary, but, you know, whatever the traditional Goza is, 
they say that the beer can have a Meyer, or ha, ha, it can't have a lemony quality to it that mm-hmm. you'll get with lactobacillus fermentations. And we thought that this beer being not overly lemony, it has like a secondary lemon note. We thought that would fit that category nicely. For sure. And we we were lucky because it did. Um, so that's the thing. I mean, I'm a judge at JBF. I've done it for a few years now. A lot of people don't read the guidelines. They'll just throw something in and, and it won't fit. Yeah. It's all about trying to fit your fit the beer to the guidelines. Because that, it, uh, you know, as a judge, you look, it's the lowest hanging fruit on the tree. Oh, this beer's fucked up because it doesn't meet this or this or this. Right, it, t- it tastes out. like an outlier. Could, could yeah. taste really good. Doesn't matter. It's a fantastic yeah. beer. You just but have to get through it somehow. You know, it's yeah. like okay, these that, ones that don't fit. That's away. the problem with GABF. It's you have like three minutes to work on a single beer. So your job as a judge is to whittle down a flight of ten ish to a flight of three or two, depending on what it is. The IPAs get two going forward. Um, everything else gets one or gets three going forward. Mm. So your job is just to throw beers off, and whatever reason you, I mean, if you have a really easy reason to throw a beer off, it's it's sure. what that it, all of the table is going to agree. That's going to go because of that, because there really isn't time to fight for a beer. I mean, it's just not the way it is. I mean, it's part of the process. Things got to go at the end, at the very end. It's at the very like- end, then you could fight for a beer at the final round. Uh, but, you know, first round, second round judging, it's about moving beer forward. Sure. Um, so you don't really have time to to dig around with with one beer that you may really like, mm-hmm. but another judge is going to throw off immediately because it doesn't fit the guidelines. So read the guidelines. That's important. <laughs> so that, Meyer, we did that. And uh, so the next beer, the beer we're going to drink now, was a silver medal winner. And that was uh, a beer I brewed as a home brewer called Agent Orange. And it was a Flanders-style red ale. Yeah, that's what we've got in our glasses now. That's what we got now. And so when I brewed it originally as a home brewer, it was more orange than it is. This beer is a little more red. And I think, you know, 20 months in barrels versus, you know, whatever I had it in as a home brewer, it, it definitely wasn't in a barrel for five. It, if it was anything, it was in a five-gallon barrel for for a short amount of time because I never liked those five-gallon barrels. Um, you know, Balconis, they used to sell those barrels through Austin Homebrew Supply. I mean, another a, a number of other homebrew suppliers would sell those barrels. But they just let so much oxygen in in a short amount of time that you can't really leave a beer in there right. for a long time. So, I mean, the beer gets ruined and gets tannic astringent really fast in those type of barrels. So, yeah, part of it was probably the grain bill is a little darker, which is actually more to style than it probably was when I, I brewed it as a home brewer. The cool thing about this beer was we got to spread it out. We brewed a, a big batch of it. I think it was close to 10 barrels. And we threw it in a bunch of different barrels. So we threw, I think we had four 30-gallon apple brandy barrels, uh, which is what this blend is. And then we, we threw some into some bourbon barrels and then we threw some into some a, a local barrel that's a, a product called Colkegan which is a, a mesquite smoked single malt product put out by Santa Fe Spirits which is mm. the local distillery that we're friends with and so it's got a little bit of smoke in it but it's not overwhelmingly smoky. I'm really excited for that beer but this this is the But this one's okay. This one's, this one's good. <laughs> Yeah, this is great. It's definitely like a Flanders red combined with kind of warming apple pie kind of thing going on. It's yeah, got they, a lot of nice, rich flavor to it. It's uh, It definitely has a little warming, which I was worried it might be offensive to the judges. Because um, these beers typically aren't that high in ABV. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and a beer like this, it, it kind of comes across as like an 8 or 9% beer. So is this in the... Let's see. They don't. They do. They do split it at JBF, or they don't. I can't. Which category was this in? So this was. Um, what was this in? I think we entered this in the the wood aged. Okay. Um, I think it was wood aged sour beer. Yeah. Because it has a lot of wood character. So that's I, what stood out to me the most, actually, at first. So that was another thing we kind of tailored this entry towards that category. We mm-hmm. thought it would fit. Yeah. Because of the the excessive amount of wood, which I don't think is bad, but. You know, I don't think this would fit in another category as well. Mm-hmm. 
So we 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 decided let's put it in there, see what happens. I agree with that, but it's it's balancing in this beer. But then even yeah, for that category, I mean, seeing the beers that win out of that category, it's like almost like you'd have to taste whatever that bear like you know you know what the barrel that it was that it came from you taste that first and then here's the underlying style right. you know there, there's balance to it but it's, it's not the barrel is going to be your primary note it's like at least category. it's like 50 50 at least at least 50 50 it could yeah. be 60 40 towards yeah. the barrel um i think this has it's right there in terms of uh the balance probably a little further above it's probably 60 40 a little more barrel than beer. But a nice underlying beer there to to complement. I really like the so, beer itself. I mean, yeah. the Cole Keegan one is fantastic. I can't wait to bottle it. Um, I don't know about smoke. A lot of people have a, a, a either... I think smoke beers are like onions. <laughs> yeah. Either you fucking hate them or you just love them. Because, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people who just don't want smoke beer i've seen for in sure the marketplace yeah it's not something i would make a, a, a living on there's a brewery in santa fe that makes only smoke beer wow that seems like such a tall order make a, a business order. work with i mean <laughs> that narrow how in He's the world lucky that he has a really good pizza place to back him up uh, okay because okay. it's a good combo yeah good combo because i mean you can't really live off of smoked hefeweizen no kidding <laughs> <laughs> even when they're done really well you know, that, they, wait, they can the, be overwhelming. It's the old thing. There's like a brewing network thing about smoked Hefeweizen. I think maybe it's a Jamil thing or maybe it's Gordon Strong or something like that. Okay. They talked about how they'd enter smoked beer category, but they'd always enter smoked Hefeweizen. They clean up because every other beer in that category, speak, going back to like judging and read the rules and know about judging before you enter, they enter the smoked Hef. Okay. And it's like the only blonde colored beer in the entire thing it gets tasted first out of every single flight every other beer tastes the same and it's like good judges would just keep going back to the smoked half because like, like okay that one's that one's right yeah because you're you, you've already kind of locked it in your mind as that being the, the the best beer in your flight because you've had it first if you're good if, you, if the beer is good and you get to go first it's, right. i think it's a big yeah that's a huge no kidding yeah yeah where you lie where you lie in the flight is going to be a big deal 100%. Yeah. yeah if you're at number 10 out of 10 and you know, there's a lot of good examples before you. You're you're not at an advantage. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's definitely tough. Anyway, I forgot where we were going. Before well, to, that. well, I, on the topic of of smoked and sour, actually, here this is a perfect time to read this email from Dominic Hughes, uh, who had uh, written in a couple of weeks ago. He said, uh, thanks to the uniqueness of Apple's podcast iPhone app, the only way that, uh, to listen to this hour, hour consecutively while driving is in reverse chronological order. I know, I, I hate I, uh, the um, the iTunes oh, iPod, oh, yeah, that's whatever like, app for that. I, does it? Yeah, it's so annoying. You got it. But anyway, you said, so but I started at... I prefer ep- this show that way, though, except for the ep- paired episodes. Yeah. Like, I tell people to, instead of, every time I hear, oh, I'm started at the beginning, I really? like, don't. Why? Well, what's, uh, the most accurate information is the oh, latest Oh, yeah, that's true. But it's episode. still fun to hear the sort of evolution. Sure, just do you know? it at the end. I don't, I guess yeah. you're right. Uh, anyway, so, well. <laughs> Go he, both ways. Do, Dominic yeah, goes matter. both ways. <laughs> He's, he started at 100, episode 100 and he worked his way back. Thanks, Dominic. Okay. Um, he said, well, it's dedication. I, Congratulations, Dominic. Yeah. It is indeed. Uh, he says, I own a brewery in Scotland where I brew beers wow. uh, for a brand of British style Cascales. I'm about to launch a brewery of mixed fermentations and with clean beer as well. Um, he said, very little has been said about smoke sours, except not to. Uh, but he thinks he's like with Zwanzi coming up. No doubt there'll be countless smoke sour beer attempts soon. I'm not really sure if that's true. But in any case, he's wondering about ways to impart smokiness uh, to various degrees with either malt or fruit or barrels or some combination thereof. Sometimes uh, kettle sours can taste lackluster against their mixed firm counterparts. He says, do you think that like the complexity of a smokiness might override the simplicity of a kettle soured? And also just general tips for like imparting smokiness into a sour beer. Like how can you make that work? Liquid smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. That's easy. Um, no, that's a bad idea. That's a really bad idea. <laughs> one, I'm, I'm one, just messing around with the kid. One quick thing I'll say, and I'll throw it over to John, but yeah, I don't remember us talking shit on smoke beers like i think he said somewhere in there i haven't heard a lot of talk about this except not, not to, to. that's like right what did we say I, have we said don't do smoke sour beer i mean you know we've been on the air for 
a lot yeah, of episodes. Yeah, we say a lot so, of things. But, and then, so I, I don't know. It's always on my radar. There, there, there are some examples of smoked sours, right? Uh, Lichtenheiner mm-hmm. is one, I think. I want. I love uh, that beer. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good beer when it's done really well. Um, what is it? The Grodzitski is one, too, mm-hmm. right? I don't. I don't know if I've had either one of those. What? What is the? Are they like brown base, golden base? What are the the quick hits of that? I'm, I'm not super familiar with either, but I remember when I was in Nashville uh, at Yazoo, embrace the funk and their uh, funk fest. The Nashville native and fermentation off author Sander Katz uh, mm-hmm. was doing a collaboration with our good friend Brandon Jones, aka Jimmy Mitchell, and. Uh, <laughs> They made the uh, the Lichten Steiner, whatever. Lichten Heine. Lichten I don't know. I just, I don't know if that's right. uh, and that's what they were making right then. I had it, and it was that's probably the first one I had had. A commercial I example think it tends to be on the lighter side. It's not a dark, not not a super dark beer. It's probably less SRM than this beer. Um, the Flanders, the Flanders, the Flanders yeah. Yeah, I would I would think it's kind of in the in the middle of of light. It's not quite to that SRM it's probably in the 10 to 12 ballpark. So like a deep golden. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. The Grodzinski can be a little darker, I think. I don't know. I, I I'm not up on that style very much either. Let, let, let me phrase the question this way. If you guys were going to do a mixed firm longer age beer that had smoke to it, what would I've, be your approach? I've done a couple. Um, it's not my favorite thing, but I, I did a um, a Gosslandrica. So that's a, um, a beer that was made in – there's an island off of, of Sweden called Gotland or Gutland. So the, the Vikings used to roll through Gutland, and they would, they would basically say, either we get your wife or your beer. And so these guys would brew a lot of beer, so they would keep their families intact. Oh, okay. That's not so, where I thought you were going with that. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, what they would do is you know, they, they made a beer much like a sati. Not quite a sati, um, and it would be a smoked beer with um, with juniper, and there's like a a berry there called like Miracle Gale, and Jester King ma- made one of these years ago, and it was really good. Theirs is super smoky, though. They use like three or two or three different smoke malts. Um, they would smoke their own malts. The thing with that is if you over-smoke or if you add too much smoke malt, the beer becomes like hammy. Um, so you have to be careful. So I made one that was really low on the smoke. Um, I went the opposite direction, just tried to have a, a very hint of it. I think if you have too much smoke, too, you'll get, like, these weird kind of Brett phenol interactions with the with the, the smoke phenols, and they won't play well together. So I would say just be light about everything if you're going to do it. Now, yeah. for you did say the the apple brandy barrels in which this uh, Flanders was aged was mesquite smoke. No, did you that say? was so that was a different barrel. That was the Cole Keegan barrel. That's a beer I haven't released yet. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, it was the same base beer. Gotcha. So this was from the same, same company, Santa Fe Spirits. They're local distillery. They they make apple brandy. They make you know they make a hundred different things, uh, but their apple brandy is exceptional. And so we got some of these barrels. And these are small barrels too. They're thirty gallons. So for when you get bigger, a 30-gallon seems like a small barrel. Yeah. Um, I don't really care for that either. <laughs> They're actually pretty good. But you can't leave them in there for too long. Um, the area of the staves to the to the volume is a big deal. So I think we left those in there for about a year. But we aged it in, in stainless before that. Then we blended. We had two blends of this. This is the, the, the bigger batch. You don't run into, like smoky barrels i would say that often um so brings up uh, malt or different ingredients malt is going to be you know overwhelmingly the most common common yeah and i agree the uh less is more kind of thing i think i i don't have made very many smoke beers in my life but i think it's in the low single digits of grist you know maybe often being around one percent depending on the malt that you use one to four one to five maybe don't go crazy yeah then light, light touch on the flip side uh kind of doing after the fact like re-fermentation i think it'd be re- it's really cool to do fruit so it was like smoked fruits put some fruit on the smoker and that i would say actually uh, go the opposite way like that you could probably go heavy because it won't pick up as much anyway get it smoky use a lot of it and it'll be light in the in the finished beer depend on your usage rate obviously but i and i'm really interested in doing 
something like that. That's a great so. idea. Smoke some pineapples. Smoke. I mean, there's so many fruits there's like that. Kind of all they'll do really well with it. I yeah, think. all kind of would do great. So hmm. yeah, go for it. Interesting. Uh, thank you for the email, Dominic. We appreciate it a lot. Good luck. Excellent. How are we doing on time? Scott? I think we sure did. We time? did we finish up uh, this the uh, the Flanders. I've I've been sipping on it. We've talked about it, but if we've wrapped that up with a nice bow, we can wrap up this show. I feel I feel like we did. Okay. So tease for the next show. Yeah. We've got um, a surprise listener beer, and then yes. we've got uh, a little duo from John, which would be pretty fun. Mm, a side yeah, by side. Uh, well, thanks, John. Thanks sure. for coming. Thank out. you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, John. Thanks to all you listeners out there, the sponsors. Thanks to Bevo and Scott. You're welcome. And I did that all much too fast, so now I'm just vamping. <laughs> Until next time. On Mississippi. Stay sour. We're the Mortons of uh, <laughs> raspberry sour beer.